0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this fall's first episode of Press Coverage, the Daily Tar Heels sports podcast. We're back from summer break and ready to bring you all kinds of exclusive content this year. I'm Tommy Freidenberg, and along with Parth Upatiai are your hosts, and we've got a treat in store for you guys today. Actually, Parth, we've got a couple, don't we?
1: We absolutely do. It's our first episode of the season, and we're sitting alongside the host of the largest sports talk show in NC history, Mr. David Glenn, and his great producer, Darren Vaughn. How are y'all doing?
2: Doing great, guys. Good Excellent. to see you. Excellent. Good to see everybody. Three former DG Show interns in the house.
0: Yeah, we were going we to make sure we brought that up. And also, I've heard a rumor that a couple years ago when DG graduated from UNC... couple. Um, you were also on the DTH as well, right?
3: That is correct. I was the sports editor for a while. I was actually the summer editor of the entire Daily Tar Heels. So I went beyond my sports boundaries... Uh, and I did a little what was our version of radio back then as well. So uh, it's great to have you guys as part of our staff and uh, appreciate the stroll down, as I call it, Amnesia Lane.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, the first thing we're going to get into here is something maybe North Carolina Tar Heel fans might not want to listen to, but it has to be talked about. That display on Saturday out in uh, Berkeley. DG, what did you you see from the Tar Heels in, in that game?
3: The worst thing was just complete offensive ineptitude by the Tar Heels for most of that game. And the final score did not look quite as bad, 24-17, to gotcha. but that was a 24-3 to game. Cal, I don't believe, will prove to be a great football team, and yet the Tar Heels were drowning in their own penalties and turnovers and mental mistakes and bad quarterback play. And Whereas there were some good signs elsewhere, I think there are more good players on defense than Larry Fedora has had in some of his other years, it's really weird and certainly alarming that a guy who has made his name for decades as an offensive expert, assistant coach and head coach, uh, for his offense to debut this way with questions about how quickly or even if he can turn that offense around, that's a bad place to be coming off of a 3-9 and season.
1: You know, D.J. They have a lot of depth at running back with Antonio Williams now joining the group from Ohio State. But the quarterback play is probably the biggest question mark. I think we can all agree on offense. Elliott threw three picks in the first half. What are what are Fedora's options? Is Cade Fortin going to get some time moving forward, or
3: it's an ugly picture? There are fourteen schools in the ACC. Pick a school there is a better depth chart at the most important position on the field than the Tar Heels have right now. In in one through fourteen quarterback depth chart power rankings, the Tar Heels would be number fourteen. And that's maybe even with the better version of Nathan Elliott, who won a couple games as a starter last year, or the better version of Chaz Surratt when he returns, having started the majority of the games last year. It's hard, even if you're an offensive guru, to create great offenses if you're weak at the quarterback position that's a recruiting issue uh, and it's combined with a coaching issue it's not a good offensive line which also complicates matter further matters further it's hard to complete passes while you're on your back but Larry Fedora has his work cut out for him on the field this year I think in part because he didn't recruit the successor to guys like Marquise Williams and more recently Mitch Trubisky who's now with the Chicago Bears
0: definitely uh, so Darren One thing that was positive, I guess, uh, (laughs) their defense was pretty good. Their defense was on the field for an extended period of time. I've got at least 10 more minutes than uh, the Cal defense. They only gave up 24 points. Seven of those points were on an interception return, and another seven were on a drive that should have ended, but looked like it was a pretty bogus P.I. call.
2: Yeah, and— I guess that's the silver lining right I mean if you're gonna find a starting point for a team to be successful it's that okay the defense is is relatively solid and however talented or not talented you you do have a second year player back at the quarterback position I I know coach Fedora did say that he liked the way Nathan Elliott responded and how he played in the second half against Cal so I mean that's Again, it's a a building block, but to your point, DG, and feel free to chime in on the defensive side of this equation as much as you want, you had the fortitude. We had him on the show earlier today, Coach Fedora, and you had the fortitude to ask him, like, do you you feel like you don't have the dogs to run with everybody else in the ACC? Now, of course, he's never going to say – no, we don't right. have the players. His <laughs> right. response was Absolutely. something along the lines of the roster we have currently, we feel like we can win a championship with. But I, I think that's the fact of the matter is that just offensively, you got behind in recruiting, whatever the reasons might be, and all of a sudden you just you don't have the guys on offense where it looks like they, they could piece together a defense. And the issue with that too is where when's Larry Fedora
3: ever done that
2: as a building block to a team?
3: Never. It was interesting that Coach Fedora said, DG, you ask me some really tough questions sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, it's, it's not that unreasonable to expect that when you go 11-3 and 3 in 2015 and you play Clemson in the ACC title game and you're in a one-possession game as the clock is expiring. To maybe
0: go to the playoffs.
3: That's a pretty good place to be. And recruits and their families and high school coaches have respect for that kind of an accomplishment. I've been around long enough that I saw Dick Crum and then Mac Brown and even Butch Davis make UNC the place to be yeah. for the kids who stayed in state. Uh, Larry Fedora has lost that. The pendulum has swung to Dave Doran and NC State. But when I watched that game, even before you get to coaching X's and O's, turnovers, penalties, you need the horses And I don't believe this year the Tar Heels have enough horses. I like Anthony Ratliff-Williams at wide receiver. He didn't play against Cal, but I think Michael Carter is a special talent at running back. But it's not a good offensive line, and it probably won't be this season. It's hard to turn lemons into lemonade, which is what the Tar Heels are going to have to try to do on offense this year.
0: That's absolutely right. And speaking of horses, UNC is about to lose a few more. Defensive end Malik Carney and Taman Fox, especially stand out because of how well that defense played this week so we just want to talk a little bit about that situation and where sort of it leaves the Tar Heels for the next four weeks if it really is going to make a difference or if you know they're just sort of going to be in rough shape either way
2: well I mean Malik Carney is one of the best players at his position in the ACC so that obviously is a, a, a huge loss again it's one guy so it doesn't make the as big a difference in the world as bolstering a fuller depth chart. But, uh, man, it's going to be interesting. I mean, for our statewide purposes on the David Glenn Show, we've talked a lot this week and will be in Greenville for East Carolina versus North Carolina because it, it, both schools, both coaches have a lot to gain from a victory and I think way, way more to lose with a loss in in both of their cases, Scotty Montgomery and Larry Fedora.
3: Yeah, I agree with that, and to the to your point on the defense. Other than the one Gene Chiswick year, we've seen either hide-your-eyes-bad Carolina defenses or so-so, and when I look at that roster, they have at least four defensive tackles who are ACC-caliber players, Aaron Crawford, Jeremiah Clark, Jason Strobridge, and Jalen Dalton. That is a hard position to recruit, and the Tar Heels have recruited it fairly well. You guys mentioned Carney and Fox and others at defensive end. I think Cole Holcomb and Jonathan Smith and Dominique Ross played well against Cal in week one. So there's a front seven. What can Larry Fedora do with a team that is at least good, maybe better than good in the front four especially, and with guys like J.K. Britt and Miles Dorn that they like in the secondary? That sounds like it should be competitive at worst on defense. And if you coach them up and they execute well and they gain confidence, maybe it's a team, a defense that you can follow to victory. We just have not seen that from Larry Fedora hardly at all in his 10-year coaching career, Southern Miss and Carolina together. But the way the horses are spread out this year, if the Tar Heels don't follow defense to wins, I don't know how they're going to do it.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with Both of what you guys have said, Um, it'll be interesting to see if Fedora can do something that he's never done, which is rely on the defense more than the offense and win games. They have one more game against, I guess, a mediocre opponent in East Carolina before they really get tested at home in the opener against UCF. It's kind of funny. We were driving over here, and Fedora obviously was in the program earlier. Looking at this tweet right now about when you asked him what he recalls from that 2014 matchup, how about... You tell our listeners how that how that kind of went. It easy. was
3: kind of weird. I mean, it probably would have been uncomfortable for somebody who has not been in the industry very long. But you guys know me well enough to know that I'm going to follow up a non-answer most of the time with another question. So I said, Coach, what do you remember most from your last trip to Greenville? Knowing, of course, I was there in 2014. How can you forget Any of us in this room, anybody listening right now, if you attended a football game that finished with a score 70-41, to I don't know what you're going to remember. It might have been the pretty girl in the row in front of you. Maybe the popcorn (laughs) tasted great that day. You certainly will remember something about that day, especially on the field. You don't see 70-41 to very often, especially when it's an FBS team against another FBS team. I didn't think either team could stop the other that day in dowdy Ficklin Stadium, hence that score. So Coach Fedora said he remembered nothing. So I was like, Coach, come on, man. You you got to – it was 70-41. to You've been in the sport forever. That has to stand out in some way. No, I don't remember anything, D.G. Coach, I don't believe you. He said, that's okay. You don't have to believe me. And we just kept going. It wasn't awkward for us because I know him well and he knows me well and he knows that I'm not coming from a bad place. I just didn't believe his answer and felt the need to follow up on it. But I get, from a coach's perspective, anything you say about a game in 2014 that, remember, four years ago, odds are, I'd have to double-check this, but odds are nobody on either roster played in that game. So I get why it's irrelevant, and I totally understand what's he going to say that helps his team going into this Saturday There's nothing he could say. So that was his coach-speak way of dodging the question, and I just wanted to kind of have fun with it. Uh, And we got past it and moved on. No big deal, but uh, the listeners and tweeters sure seemed to enjoy it. If I could
2: get a little inside baseball with this uh, (laughs) radio-wise, I I have no idea how I would have responded to that. As someone who occasionally (laughs) fills in for DG, (laughs) just to get a – I don't remember a thing. Okay. All right. Next question. On. What do I have next on my <laughs> yeah. piece of paper here? You I, got. I, you got to know your subject. You got to be
3: around for a while too. There are certain things that I do that I do not recommend for newcomers to the industry. It's it, it, you guys know the deal there. We <laughs> yeah, all, door's a tough one for sure. <laughs> yeah, we all do things a little differently as our careers progress. It's it's probably smart to tread a little differently, more maybe a little more lightly earlier in your career.
1: Before we go, prediction for the ECU and UNC game this Saturday. Darren, you want to go first? Both. Oh, man.
2: Um, I I think there's a little bit of mad scientist to the way Larry Fedora answered our question, for instance, about the last time he took a trip to Greenville, North Carolina, to play the Pirates of ECU. He has – I don't want to pinpoint it to this game, but he definitely has a lot riding on the next series of games. I, I think – North Carolina will get it done. I think if he had the chance to run up the score, he might, but he will not. Um, do you want to score here?
0: Sure. If you have one, if you got if you feel Let's, confident in it. Yeah. yeah I mean I don't
2: at all, which uh but we'll Give it get a good one. Yeah. Let's go with a um twenty four to fourteen Tar Heels over Pirates. Okay. Okay. I like it.
0: And DG, what about you? Now you have to keep the fact that your son. Goes to ECU out of the decision, out of your prediction.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we're officially part of uh, Pirate Nation now in the Glenn family. The last two times I've seen these two football teams get together, the final score score scores were seventy to forty-one in Greenville, the one we mentioned earlier, and then fifty-five to thirty-one ECU over Carolina in Chapel Hill. That was the year before. The first reaction that I have when I think of today or this week's two football teams is that I think both defenses are better than what were on the field in those games, and I don't think either offense is as good as the offenses that were on the field in those high-scoring pinball machine-type ECU victories. So unless defense and special teams are scoring a lot of points, which is always possible, (laughs) I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. Yeah, I mean, if we see a 70 spot, I'll I'll be shocked. I I think the Tar Heel defense (laughs) has a chance to be good. Uh, And ECU's breaking in a new quarterback in Reed Herring, and I don't think they have great running backs. They do have like a Trayvon Brown wideout, just like the Heels have Anthony Ratliff-Williams. So I'm sure some of those guys will make plays, but I think the Carolina is the better football team. Not by a lot, and they're on the road, but I think the Tar Heels figure out a way to win it, maybe 27 to 21, 27, 24, something like that. But as I often say, I I wouldn't bet your nickel, (laughs) Much less my nickel at the betting window because rivalry games in particular, and maybe when the home team is playing for their coach's reputation and job, uh, those things can go any way. I just don't think we'll see nearly as many points as we did the last couple times. No,
2: and that's a good point to make. You just never know, right? I mean, it's it's crazy, and ECU has lately beaten up on ACC teams pretty well when they
0: travel to Greenville. Well, we'll just have to see what happens. Thank you guys all both for joining us on the show. Everybody make sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PresscovDTH. That's at Press, C-O-V-D-T-H. For Parthupadhyay, this week's producer Keaton Eberly, and our beat guru Ryan Dishman, aka 1994, I'm Tommy Freidenberg. Please make sure to catch us next time on Press Coverage.